Hello and welcome to the third episode of the JGA7, a season of seven episodes looking at trends, insights and the future of business activity. Today we're going to pose the question, does data stifle creativity? I am joined by a great panel today who will explore and debate this question with me. Hi, I'm Faraz Kanesar. I'm Head of Decisioning at the Phoenix Group and Standard Life. I am board member at the DMA and I run a campaign for the DMA which is called The Value of Data. So I'm very passionate about data and the value that it could bring to businesses and consumers. And uh, I use data in my day-to-day and my role to communicate and engage customers in a more meaningful way. Hi, I'm Dini Lee. I'm the co-founder at The Property Marketing Strategists, where we are on a mission to elevate the role that marketing brings in property. My relationship with data is that I love it. I love exploring it, um, but we also need to make sure that we think about what the data is telling us and how creativity can help us get above that noise too often if we just focus on the digital aspects of data and not think about what's going to attract our customers we're not going to get that customers to get that feedback and um, so that's what i'm passionate about and i should also say actually i'm also the co-chair of the um, marketing apprentice employer trial basic group so um, obviously very focused on making sure as we're developing apprentices we're developing in the right way around data and creativity hello uh, i'm ian bates from firehouse We are a brand consultancy based out of uh, Bristol. Um, I'm the creative partner there and uh, I have had a love-hate, love relationship with data throughout my career, um, working across many industry sectors. Principally working now with data to help ignite brands, both in the way that they speak to their customers and the way that they speak internally to their teams. Data is becoming more prominent in business. Whether we are looking at marketing, sales, performance, efficiencies, we are becoming more reliant on data. However, some organizations or particular individuals are struggling to have that creative flair instead of the relying on the data to tell them what to do. So the question we pose today, are we becoming more reliant on data? And ultimately, is data stifling our creativity? I'll come to yourself first, Ian. Um, What is data and what is creativity? You've started with the two toughest questions, right? Possibly the two most important. Data, uh, I think put simply, is it's facts and statistics that have been collated or collected um, that is then used to determine uh, future actions. The thing is, you see, is that I think when people talk about data and creativity it is very often interpreted as um, maybe uh, the kind of statistical um, results of, of 
of marketing campaigns, for instance. Um, and <clears throat> after working with that kind of data for, for many, many, many years, you know, it is literally only one side of data. I mean, there is behavioral data, there is uh, research data, there, you know, there are all types of data. And so I think one of the problems is that you can have a, a very one-sided view of what data is, and then that starts to color your opinion of whether data is good or not. Data is just data, you know, it's stuff, it's stuff. And does it stifle creativity? No, it doesn't stifle creativity any more than chairs stifle creativity. It's, it's just stuff. It's always about what you do with it. So what is creativity? It's the, the great question. And um, I think it's probably worth focusing on what does creativity mean in business, really? And I think creativity is something that you apply to problem solving. Creativity is about making a leap from one state to another one uh, using imagination, probably creating unexpected links between disparate pieces of information or ideas um, to solve a problem. That's the way I would kind of see it in, in, in business terms. Now, being a, a creative person, um, a professional creative, uh, working on marketing campaigns, developing brands, etc., my creativity is very often interpreted in, in words and pictures, and that's very often how people think of it. You know, the old thing about Picasso was a, you know, that's a creative person. So, um, or uh, Stormzy, he's a creative person because music. The fact of the matter is everybody's creative or everybody has the potential to be creative because it's all about taking uh, a problem and applying creativity to make a leap to a new idea, a new possibility. And data clearly has a very important role in achieving that. I don't disagree with anything that you said there, Ian, at all. I guess my one question as you were talking through that is data is fact and it is the truth, but also it's not always objective and it can be manipulated. And I guess that's that's one of and that's one of the frustrations I sometimes have in the work that I do and with the clients I work in the sectors I work is that when people do research, they do it to ask a question that they know the answer to it because it supports their business methodology or their business model and it helps them to keep going down the same track but that doesn't drive innovation and one of the things I'm always talking to my clients about is that sometimes you want to know the answer to the question that maybe doesn't support or isn't what you want to hear because that's what's going to drive you forward and going to create reality and I think that I guess for me that's because you know we're still in this world of learning to understand the data and the access to the data that we've got and managing that data um we still need to understand that it's okay to get the wrong answer and what we do with that. I, I don't disagree with you either. This, is, this could end up being a very boring discussion, but um, 
I think uh, some of it comes down to uh, it's interesting that you say about, you know, kind of coming up with an answer. And I think one of the interesting things is that modern business has become, again, quite narrow in, a, in its definition of what an answer is, i.e. there is one, there is one answer. And so the, uh, the setting of a, a challenge that you might apply creativity to can become very, very narrow. Um, for instance, I would suggest that far too many um, problems are written in, in a way of five plus five equals what? So, well, okay, five plus five, uh, well, it's 10, that's the only answer, yeah? Whereas if you said, what makes 10? Okay, there are thousands of ways we could solve that and all of them could be right and all of them could be interesting and therefore what you're doing is you're finding the most interesting and inspirational way of solving that problem. So the way in which, um, uh, you know, I, I don't believe data stifles creativity at all. People stifle creativity and we can perhaps come on and talk about that later. And one of the ways in which people stifle creativity is absolutely Dini. you know they feel they've got the answer before they start and they're just looking for data to support their uh, opinion uh, and therefore they set a problem for which the answer is obvious and you're not really applying any creativity to it at all um, and it gives people security and that doesn't lead to innovation because you need to feel uh, you need to be accepting of risk and of uncertainty and a certain amount of danger maybe when you embark on anything that you are truly trying to apply uh, creativity to. No, I just uh, I just wanted to kind of lean in on the conversation. I completely agree with all two of you. I wanted to fight with you, but you're not giving me a reason to actually have a have a fight. Uh, is is that absolutely data does not stifle creativity? On the contrary, and and I completely agree with with Ian's uh, definition of a chair. Like saying a chair or a, you know data data is, is 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 a tool at the end of the day, and the way that we use it really determines what it's stifling and what it's doing and what it's not doing. Um, however, I have a real problem with a few things. I have a, I have a few problem problems with uh, binary notions. You know that uh, that uh, you know people are either creative or they're not creative. And I completely support Ian over here with 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 what he said. Around in, in a way, our educational system. Uh, stifles creativity from the start. And if you take a look at, for example, musical education, uh, specifically, I, I'm a musician as well myself, and I find it really, and I'm an improviser, so I play improvised music. And that's, that's very much living the risk that, uh, that Ian was discussing in terms of, you know, uncertainty and being able to, to kind of join things up that don't necessarily um, uh, you know, um, you know, there is no right answer or wrong answer to how you decide to join these two things up. But I do have a problem with the way that all the systems are being built um, 
to, to, to not allow that voice to happen. So I find, for example, when I'm playing with a classically trained musician, uh, they really struggle sometimes to improvise because they have the comfort of a sheet of music in front of them that they could read from, much like you know, an executive or, you know, a decision maker within a business would be relying on the data to just say, okay, if I don't have this, I'm not going to be able to move. That's, that's, that's one thing. But if you're able to kind of do both things where you are able to use the data creatively to, 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 to move the business forward, then it becomes really massively powerful. But there are these binaries that exist that need to be smashed on their head, really, like between, you know, the creative person and the scientific person and between the introvert and the extrovert and between, you know, all, all of these between good and evil. But now I'm going to go into a religious discussion, which I didn't intend really for a, a, data, a data debate. But, uh, but it's these kind of notions that really start stifling um, creativity and start stifling uh, the appreciation that that at the end of the day, uh, what we do with data and how we use data and businesses is actually in the form of storytelling. And storytelling is probably one of the oldest art forms and one of the oldest tools that we've used as 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 uh, you know as human beings to be able to convey knowledge to each other and to be able to 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 work collaboratively across um, across society. Well, I think your point about the education system is absolutely true um i mean I, I i don't have any data to to prove the fact but um i i seem to recall something about the fact that kind of up to the age of six or seven or something kind of everybody's as creative as everybody else and then this weird thing happens where some people think of themselves as creative and other people don't and then that starts to dictate what jobs you get and ultimately your view on whether creative is a waste of time, etc., uh, etc. Et so it, it, it all becomes an utter nonsense. Um, creativity is, you know, the ability to be creative, to imagine things that don't exist um, and to formulate those in your head in the future and even to sort of think about them in the past you know imagine things that didn't exist in the past etc that is like the human imagination and and you know applying creativity you can do that and i think broadly speaking it's thought that you know we were the only species that had that i'm not sure that that's entirely true now obviously we know that some animals you know chimpanzees etc make tools and you know problem solve and make uh, make creative leaps perhaps but they're probably possibly not able to do that to the level that we can this imagination projecting things forward that don't exist at the moment and it does get taught out of us unfortunately um, and I think your analogy to improvised music is is a really really good one because that is all about well, it's about a number of things, but for me, there's two really key things in there. There's um, taking risk and agreeing to take risk with the people that you are participating with and um, trust. You, you trust each other. And what that then does is it opens up your ears. You, you listen 
much more carefully to what the other person is playing or maybe in business saying. Um, a, a fantastic example of it is the is the kind of is the Miles Davis album um, "Kind of Blue," where and I'm probably doing a massive disservice or here, but broadly speaking, I think he he got a fantastic range of uh, musicians who were right at the top of their game, uh, all experts in their individual instruments, and he brought them together to record this music but there wasn't any music. There was, um, you know, I think he broadly gave them like, well, look, this is what we're gonna do and this is the kind of key we're gonna be playing in. But the job was to listen to each other and play off of each other. And, you know, Kind of Blue is, is really seen as one of the seminal pieces of musical work produced in the 20th century, you know, um, and, and still is now. So that's the level that uh, creativity can work at when it is being supported, when you have the right conditions for it. And data can absolutely support the conditions for people to be creative. But there are a number of other um, components to that um to those conditions which maybe we can talk about later and i just think that the risk and comfort's come up a lot in this conversation and i think that is from my perspective as a marketeer that's where i worry where not so where digital marketing i guess has provided marketers a great load of data so back in the past often a lot of what we did was finger in the air couldn't really track it couldn't really see what's happening whereas now we can and that's great and that's brilliant and that can drive change. But I worry that the sex has gone so far down this route of we can track it, we can see what's happening. So let's not take that risk. And that's the worry where I think creativity gets slightly lost and and where you know a lot of sectors I work in don't have senior marketers to get that voice across with senior leaders around the importance of that. So they think that they're going to solve all their problems by high, hiring a, a digital marketer. They can track it all. They can we can get a return on investment. And and I think that's where there's a damage to creativity is that, like you say, around the whole listening. And sometimes you've got to take a risk and sometimes step outside of your comfort zone yes. and and improvise a bit to actually get the real benefits and. And I, one of the areas which I think is what I worry about in marketing is that kind of brand awareness element, because that is the bit that is still harder to track. You can't track that. Mm -hmm. So people forget about the creativity of your brand, how the messaging of your, the creativity of your messaging in that digital campaign or that campaign you're running, because um, the focus is on the channel, not yeah. the message. And that's where, from a business marketing point of view, I just, I, I'm urging the sector to remember that the reason why we create messaging and we create a brand and we create all these things is because that's the bit that the audience listens to. And if you get that right, then you can start to collate your data. But that bit is a lot harder to track. Exactly. If, if the focus is always on short term objectives, campaign by campaign, channel by channel, uh, your, your progress will be less than incremental. Um, because you build brands over time 
and uh, if the focus is always on these short-term metrics and I, I can remember having many conversations with many clients and I'm not saying I was right necessarily but I wanted to open their minds to the fact that okay the last um, the last discussion you had with somebody from Facebook who told you about uh, how to best produce a 10 second ad on Facebook might have said that the logo needs to come in second three okay but if it comes in at second six because actually the piece of film is far more interesting they just could not compute it could not compute and so the idea Firaz mentioned storytelling the idea that you know you tell a story you know you can do it in in 10 seconds probably not a great story but anyway 10 seconds 30 seconds 60 seconds or whatever they have a you know there's that they go through a, a, an arc don't they a narrative arc and you're trying to apply these this data rule to it that this happens here this happens here this happens here then you will have success okay well you may but it ain't, what happens is that it will look like everybody else's in a very short space of time boring so just to touch on that then if if a business is needing to obviously evidence its performance if it's needing to evidence its its results and its return on investment in terms of its marketing how would you apply that to creativity is there a way of measuring creativity to know if it was worthwhile doing it that way or not i would suggest that it's all creative it just depends how creative things can be you know a creative execution that has been done by rote if you like and, um, you know, the five plus five equals this and therefore we put that out and you will get a result from it. Um, but if you track and, and various people have done this, I'm not very good at remembering names, but I could be horribly wrong. But is it James Herman who, who wrote a book uh, about uh, how brands that are more creative in their communications problem solving um, are more successful long term the value of the brand goes up the work is better the people are happier etc so there are a number of levels on which these things can be measured and of course the IPA have done a lot of work around the long-term uh, effectiveness of creativity the DMA that uh, Firaz and and is is very much involved in and and I have been too, um, have a number of programs about uh, uh, effective marketing and the role that creativity plays in that. So can it be measured? Yes. I I just want to kind of pick up Ian on something and and you'll find this amusing because uh, we're going to go through all of uh, our our kind of musical influences I think by the end of this conversation <laughs> but uh there's a like a very famous kind of YouTube clip by Frank Zappa uh where he was talking about the recording industry and he was kind of he was kind of saying something like the the kind of old recording studio bosses used to take a punt on musicians like him and just like people who they didn't really know 
you know, as, as a hard fact that this is going to actually make any money. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you'd have all of these really un, unlikely entrants into the world of pop and reach a really mass audience, you know. And, and if you kind of take a look at it right now, it's kind of decreased a little bit with time. But, you know, some like people like Nirvana, for example, you know, who, you know, shouldn't be a pop, <laughs> you know, a pop band of that level of success in principle. But they are because they kind of connected to something you know, really, really core within people. And they were able to to have the opportunity to reach such a big audience and, and to be able to, to to connect with them. And and in that interview, Frank Zappa always says that, you know, and he's kind of of the opinion that data does stifle creativity in the sense that there was this younger exec that kind of came into the business who, you know, was really hot on data, was really hot on on numbers and stuff like that. And then people like that would hardly ever go through the net anymore because all the figures say that they're not going to be successful. But then again, you know, you kind of take a and I'm shooting myself on the foot over here. I'm very conscious <laughs> of the fact, but you take you take something like, um, you know, the film industry as well. For for a number of years, they've always wanted to crack. What is it that's going to make, you know, a, a film successful? And ultimately, it's a punt. You know, it's a punt that, you know, I'm going to create 20 films or 50 films a year or whatever it is. One of them is going to be a mega success. And then I'm going to cover the, 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 the losses of the rest. And, you know, and, and, and if there was a secret ingredient or a secret answer beyond uh, beyond creativity and the ability to convey a story that would resonate with people, um, you know, then they would have had the answer and they wouldn't have had all of these losses uh, throughout the year. But I think that's that's where the element, again, of of sometimes sometimes you do need to take that punt and you need to have the trust uh, that that sometimes a punt is, uh, is 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 okay. You would be informed by data, but that doesn't mean that you don't take a punt on something. I did say earlier that data doesn't stifle creativity. People do, and I think I think that's kind of the the point. It's you know in the Frank Zappa example, it's it's people who are probably uh, not confident enough to take a risk, and they want to cr climb the corporate ladder. Um, the easy thing to do is say, well, the data says this, so let's just get more of this. Mm. Yeah, the data's not wrong. The data's just telling a story. But so, but the studio still got the choice to go. Well, okay, let's get five or six people like this, but let's get some of these other guys. You know that because success does success always mean big, or does success mean what's what is right? for what you were trying to achieve, you know? And um, so, yeah, I watch a lot of very kind of odd films that, I mean, I, God's honest truth, I have been in the cinema where I am the only person in there. Um, I watch some odd films, which a lot of people don't see, but I, I think they're amazing because they're touching on things that you just don't generally see. Um, so to me, did they go out and try and tell a story and have they succeeded? Yeah, absolutely. Are they blockbusters? No, but they're still an important part of human experience, you know? And for the brand, that studio that put out that film, the fact that they may have won a, you know, a Cannes uh, Film Award or a Venice, you know, Biennale or a Sundance Award, you know, that was it. 
that's the bit it had to do, you know? I think that, you know, in a world where there's startups all the time and you know, young people want to be entre entrepreneurs, and I think that's great. I think we have to remember that every single thing starts with an idea that can't be tested, isn't data, it's just an idea, it's just a nugget, and you build that up from just giving it a go. You've got to start somewhere. To, to collect data, you've got to start somewhere. Yeah. And I think that's the important thing that we've got to remember. That And, you know, I totally agree with you both. You just sometimes, we don't know what customers want, what people want. You've just got to try it and see what happens. No, there's something There's something I wanted to pick up also on your, on your conversation, which I think is really important around the availability and the proliferation of data, right? I mean, I think this, um, you know, we've never been producing data as much as we have right now. Uh, organizations are collecting that data um, a lot of the times without really understanding why this data is collected and what they intend to use it for. And also we're kind of, you know, in the background, you know, there are some players in the market who actually have made tons of money from data, our data, without really our consent or our, I guess they had our legal, our, our written consent, but without us really understanding why we're getting free services from them all the time, without being blatantly obvious who I'm talking about. But, you know, uh, but I think, I think it's caused a moment of reflection really for consumers and people are starting to think, what am I doing? with my data who am i giving it to we're all you know in digital marketing uh cookies and the use of cookies is 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 you know is getting really hampered right now and it's going to get even worse so actually first party data is becoming you know the king again in the room when it comes to when it comes to that so then brands then have the moment here to reflect on on why they need this data what do they intend to do with it how do they want to engage with customers and you know ian and i have been involved with the dma by the way for the listeners who don't know who the dma is it's it's the data and marketing association just in case the acronyms is, is kind of like confusing people but um ian would remember there was once um the dma run uh, an annual event called the dma awards and um, and for one year, when GDPR uh, uh, came 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 to be, and that's legislation for for data protection that we use within the industry, uh, we had the one one time only award in GDPR, and the winner of that award was the Guardian, who um, who did a really really good job of actually telling a story to their customers about why they were collecting their data, what they were going to be doing with it, and how they were taking this as a real opportunity to better engage with their customers and help and help their customers kind of drive the content that they create, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And actually, like the results of the campaign were staggering because, you know, the, the, they do need to depend on subscriptions as a business. And so they actually need people to opt in. But it's it's back to that that engagement, that 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 humanity and those values that sit behind it, that say, what are we about? And then people could start connecting to that because as, as, as consumers, as people, we do have values and values sometimes to not sound too noble or lofty, you could have a value to want to save money. That's cool. You know, that's 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 a value too. you know, or make money in the case of a business. That's a value. That's all right. But this alignment of values really needs to happen. Uh, for a business to understand what's the purpose of what it's doing and to and to to engage in with customers in a better way and and if we do that better then we're we're creating a better society really well i've not been able to uh 
have time just at the minute to to flesh out uh, something that uh, has been on my mind for some time, and that is um, talking to brands in terms of brand data. Um, we talk about uh, you know uh, brand behaviour and brand strategy and brand ideas, uh, etc. But I I think there is an engagement to be had with with brands about data and uh so there's all the kind of technical side of it and the uh and the technology side of it and the analytics and all that kind of stuff but your point about what is the purpose of it and i think that brands can and probably should think why do we exist what is our purpose why what are we here to do for our customers etc and then what part does our brand play in the, the gathering and use of data for, for why we're there rather than we do the same as everybody else? I mean, your use of data could be as distinct as your visual identity or, you know, the way your offices look and all that kind of stuff. You know, I really believe that certainly um, more so than it is now. I think there is a you know, this is how data analytics works. Uh, we can collect all this stuff. Um, I don't think enough businesses really focus on the, on the key bits of data that are actually going to drive their success. There's, they're confused by the, the multiplicity of data sources. But ultimately also, what is your use of the data, the collection of it, the um, analysis of it, and then any outputs. What is that saying about you as a brand? And I think it's a, a, an enormous opportunity for for businesses to step into um, and portray their personality through that. I completely agree. I think the whole data issue, and obviously those companies that are harvesting data in not necessarily the most ethical way, is going to come back to bite the sector. And I think that ultimately um you know it's that the law hasn't kept up with what people are collecting now and i think that has to change and that will change and i think it's similar to around the communication around sustainability is that um, that you know people want honesty and they want transparency and they want to know that you're doing the right thing and i think businesses should get ahead because i think law will change on this you know i think you know, the fact that, you know, home assistant things are listening to everything that we're saying and that can't be stored on that device. It has to go off to some server is all that all that information. And that's powerful information that could be yeah. used in the wrong hands, can do horrible things. And so I think law will catch up with us and it will have to change, hopefully, in time. Um, but, yeah, I totally agree that same with sustainability, same with data. Businesses need to be honest about well, what 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 do we think is ethical to do with that data, and how do we make sure our customers know that we're 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 doing that and delivering on that? Outside of buying products, um, we're actually we're we're building some massive businesses um, unknowingly. <laughs> you know, yeah. we, you know, it always used to be if you buy their stuff, you would you would build the business. Now you could well be building their business without even knowing it. 
And Dini, I just wanted to pick on, on one of the points where I slightly disagree with you, actually. There is disagreement on this podcast, which is, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is, uh, is about legislation catching up. I don't, think, I don't think legislation ever really catches up. I mean, uh, if, you, if, you, if you take a look at GDPR, for example, GDPR should have been here like 20 years ago. You know, I mean, the, it's, it's highlighting basic stuff that we should have been doing as marketers 20 years ago, not you know, forcing the hands of marketers 20 years later that we need to actually put a few fine foundational principles on how we want to use our data. Um, so and, and but but that also touches a very important word also that you ended ended with, which is ethics. And I was speaking to an ethicist um, who I love very much at Edinburgh University. Um, and then she was, uh, you know, I asked her once, I'm like, why is everybody like so hot on ethics all of a sudden? Like everybody's talking about ethics. She's like, well, the, the thing is, when you don't have legislation in place, you, you need something to fall back on as, as a way to be able to navigate the landscape. And so this is why ethics becomes actually quite prominent, because it gives you a framework for you to be able to determine, right, so I know I could do this, but should I do this or should I not do this? And so it, 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 it allows for that to start actually happening. And so this is why there's a lot of chat within our, our worlds about ethics and, you know, that, that word just keeps repeating. And I found it really, really fascinating. But yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, and especially for the audience uh, of this podcast is, um, unfortunately, uh, the responsibility really lies with us you know, the people within the industry, the people who are coming into the industry, to be able to be responsible, to be able to be, uh, to do the right thing by, by, by customers, to call out stuff sometimes which is not happening right. Uh, legislation will, you know, move forward and will progress, no doubt. But, um, but I think we need to be, as people, we need to be the bastions and the champions of actually changing behavior within organizations to make it better for, for everybody. I do agree with you, and I'm just an optimist that legislation will catch up, but I don't think it will. <laughs> I'd love it if it would, but I think you're probably right. And yeah, I agree that that's where ethics come in, and that's why it, it is so powerful that we focus on doing the right thing, regardless of whether we're being told to do it. I think one thing uh, I, I would say to uh, the, the listeners of this podcast um, is absolutely to remind them that they are as creative as anybody else, or they have the potential to be. What they need are the the conditions to allow that to happen. So, as I say, that could be something that uh, we talk about on a on another occasion, um, because it's there are sort of some foundational principles that businesses need to apply to to allow it to happen. Um, but the other thing I would suggest to the audience as well is that nine times out of 10, any problem, business problem, communications problem, innovation problem, technical problem, etc., is very poorly articulated. Uh, people don't spend long enough on working out what is the problem that we're trying to solve to then allow creativity to play its role so um either the 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 um yeah well there's a there's a, i'm just trying to think of the exact 
quote, but it's something like this, and I've probably got it a bit wrong, but it was attributed to Einstein. And it's something like, he was, he was asked, what would he do if there was only an hour to save the world or something? And he said, I'd spend 50 or 55 minutes on working out what the problem was, and then five minutes on solving it. And I think that's the bit that, that we've not got right at the moment. And therefore, anything can stifle creativity because we've not actually worked out what the problem is we're trying to solve. Um, so in business, uh, in your jobs, you should be allowed to ask the question, why? Could you explain why we're doing this or why we're doing it like that? It is not a stupid question. It is probably the most important question um, because by asking why or um, what if, that is how change happens. That's how innovation happens. That's how creativity uh, can be applied to a problem. Why and what if. As as you were speaking, Ian, I I, um, I was reminded. I don't know if you've seen this, um, but like it's it's you know a, a clip that's kind of gone on LinkedIn and all kinds of social media where somebody's drawing something on somebody's back, and then the other person is trying to do, draw the thing that's being drawn on their back on the person in front of them. But it's just it's it's about that point about communication and the articulation of the problem mm -hmm. is that the interpretation is so different that sometimes you know that that really it becomes a real barrier to be creative when you're not really understanding right which so which bits am I trying to address which bits am I trying to join up and how are we collectively agreeing on 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 you know moving forward with that but yeah. that, that was just an image that came in my head when yeah. and, it, and it and it it happens on on kind of creative projects, you know, words and pictures, campaigns, advertising things where, you know, you're given a brief and you look at it sometimes and think, is that even a problem? What are we, what are we trying to solve here, you know? Um, and then you spend a lot of time working on it and you go and show a client and they're like, nah, I was thinking it could be something more like this. And, well, okay, but that's a different thing, isn't it? Um, so, yes, articulating the problem, working out what the problem is i think that's super important and communication right and communication <laughs> yes. agreement agreement yeah. On, yeah. on what that is yeah yeah and yeah willing to take the risk and step out of your comfort zone I think yeah the, the, all the things that yeah is key what we've discussed yeah yeah so does anyone have some closing advice for our listeners then? Because I think what we've all agreed on is that businesses or managers or leads or whoever within a business is wanting to rely on the data. They're looking at the data, they're saying this is working um, and then we, therefore we need to do more of this. How would one actually say, I think we can improve, got no data, but I think we could do it differently? How would one bring that suggestion up when the data is so strong that doing it a different way works steadily, but it works? Well, if there's no problem to solve, don't worry about it. But does that not stifle the creativity? Well, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is, if you don't feel you've got a problem, 
then there's nothing to solve right but if the if the problem is you know our you know our business is functioning really well and and you know data you know is proving you know that we're successful you know whether it's in the business data or the you know campaign data or whatever it is everything looks as though it's going great if anybody thinks that that just is going to carry on forever then you know take a look at any number of the new businesses that have sprung up in the last 10 years that have absolutely killed sectors you know uh you know interesting you know dini in the in the in the property sector just look at how the property sector has has um changed over the last few years you know even uber in taxis and you know just eat and, and all of these things every industry is going through some form of disruption so absolutely you may be your the data may be telling you you're doing great right now but you may not have a business in five years time i'd agree with that i'd i'd use the fact that that bit's running smoothly so then give me some time and budget to try something else because you don't know where that's going to take me is yeah. is the way i do influence them is to say yep that's working so now i've got the time and capacity to go and try something new um and that keeps driving you forward mm -hmm. and that goes back to the to the storytelling and communication bit right because you need to be able to convince people that you know you need to pursue a different path or a different track or try to look at a problem in a different way or but th then again it has to go back to communication i think that it would be a real, um, you know, a shortcoming of an individual if they don't develop their communication skills as they go along, no matter how much technical expertise you have, or no matter how great as a creative person you, you, you are, is, is that ability to be able to communicate, to be able to tell a story could really change the dial in terms of, uh, you know, uh, trying to, 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 to bring change within a business and, and keep it relevant, really. Okay, thank you. Um, does anyone have any other thoughts, ideas, suggestions or discussion points that they want to bring up? Well, I, th I think there's an opportunity at some point, if, whether it's the, the three of us again, but um, to talk about the, the kind of conditions that are required in businesses to, to really foster creativity. But that's a quite a different discussion. I'm just going to I'm just going to make a, a, a comment on diversity and inclusion, just because I think it's important a lot in this context, you know, because we, we didn't really touch on it at all in, in the kind of chats. But it's very important, again, to recognize that individuals within your team, you know, uh, in the DMA, we say, hire people who look like your customers. So you need whoever is looking at the problem within the organization to have a varied uh, point of view and that varied point of view, um, you know, whether it's culturally different uh, or, 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 you know, you're, uh, you know, neurodiversely different or whichever way it is, it, it, it brings a fresh perspective into the room, a fresh angle into the room. And, and uh, then it starts shifting the way, you know, you look at a problem or you look at addressing, uh, um, you know, a specific business need as well. Bringing us to a close this episode, considering the discussions and points today, I will pose the question once more to our panel. Does data stifle creativity? No, it doesn't. But people do need to take the risk sometimes and step outside of a comfort zone that data is leading them down.
I agree. I agree with everyone. <laughs> That's the cop out answer, right? Excellent. Thank you very much there. We have had some great discussions and debates today. For our listeners, what is your opinion? Do you think data stifles creativity? Let us know on our socials, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at JGA Group. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on the Learner Zone. You don't want to miss the next episode of the season looking at the ethics of personalized marketing. And we ask the question, where to draw the line. I'd like to thank my panel today, Ferris, Deanie and Ian for their contributions to this episode. I've been Owen Twydale, this has been the JGA7 and I'll see you next time.